Welcome to the Plant Services Podcast Series, The Hidden Cost of Compressed Air, sponsored by Kaiser Compressors. Each podcast in this four-episode series will tackle one of the many facets of compressed air system operation and costing. I'm Tom Welk, the Chief Editor of Plant Services, and today I'm joined by two compressed air experts from Kaiser, Neil Maltrader and Matt McCorkle, for a discussion on the cost of oversizing your compressed air system. Neil is the engineering manager for Kaiser Compressors, and he's conducted and supervised thousands of industrial compressed air studies to help plant teams achieve significant energy savings and operational improvements. And Matt is the manager of branch operations for Kaiser Compressors and has worked as a certified energy manager through the Association of Energy Engineers. Welcome, guys, and thanks for being part of the special podcast series. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. Excited. Well, cool. And you know, we'll just tackle the first question right away. Matt, before we press the record button today, um, we are talking about air system reviews. And you mentioned that your team has found that many systems operate below 50% system capacity. Uh, let's start by asking, can you elaborate more on that? Uh, absolutely. So um, what, what we found is we analyzed three years of air study data and what we found is that on average, customers' compressed air systems are operating at 45% of capacity. So what that means is they have double the compressor capacity uh, that they need uh, to operate on average. And um, backing, uh, further confirming that 45% number, we've, we've also seen studies done by other organizations uh, that, sh that show a similar case, um, particularly for manufacturing. And they're seeing that you know, the, the issue is that compressors are really inefficient at partial load. Uh, compressors are efficient when they're fully loaded or when they're off. Um, really doesn't matter what the control method is. That's, that's generally how, how it is. And so it ends up there's a lot of waste. And um, you might think, okay, well, compressors are running at 45% capacity. So folks are sizing them that way so that they can grow into it. So they have kind of a safety factor. Um, but this is generally not the case because uh, most systems are operating with one unit. So if that unit goes down, you, you have no safety factor. Maybe you're running on an unreliable backup. Um, and so really what's happening is you're, you're operating a unit, uh, a compressor, much harder at part load. Think of it like city driving. So when a compressor is running at 45% capacity, it's like driving in the city versus driving on the highway, which is where you would want your equipment to operate to have maximum reliability um, you know, lowest life cycle cost, best efficiency. It's, it's a very similar uh, analogy you can make. Um, <clears throat> and so what that means for customers is they, they're frequently paying much more for the air they're using than they should be. In fact, we see that the multiple is over a factor of 10. So we see customers that will be spending 30 cents per thousand cubic feet for their air. And then we see others that are spending upwards of $3 or more per thousand cubic feet. And that's really dramatic when you look at the amount of air used in a manufacturing plant. You know, they're using millions, hundreds of millions of cubic feet of air. And if you're paying 30 cents or $3, you know, that's a, that's a huge difference in your budget. Um, so the oversizing causes uh, high costs for air. There's also additional costs for maintenance because you have uh, larger parts, more fluids to change uh, with a larger size uh, compressor. And then you also have the excess capital cost. So instead of buying a compressor that was closer to 100% size, you, you bought something twice the amount. So, you know, you spent more capital too. So th this is what we, you know, we really try to work with customers to realize 
you know, that upfront cost and that planning for the future is, is, is an important consideration, but you really want to look at how you're using the air and make sure that you're sizing it correctly. Otherwise, you have these hidden costs related to efficiency, uh, maintenance, and, and even um, upfront. Yeah, and I mean, I have really nothing to add. I think Matt hit all the key points. Um, you know, it's, it's an exciting topic for us because, you know, we're always looking how we can improve those efficiencies. Um, and it, it's interesting for me from the engineering standpoint to, to kind of get in the nitty gritty in the numbers. So, Well, and Neil, from an engineering standpoint, what are some of the key points that our listeners can look for in their own systems to tell if they're operating their compressed air system at below capacity? Sure. Um, you know, Matt really hit on the key point. Um, the, the duty cycle is, is really what we're looking at when we're evaluating. So duty cycle means you know, uh, how much time am I loaded versus how much time is that, that motor on? Um, so, you know, if you're at 50% duty cycle, that's probably the worst place you could run uh, a load on load um, oil fine rotary screw compressor, which is typically what you'd see in a compressor room. Um, now, so that's, that's really what you're looking at. If your duty cycles say 70, 80%, that's probably in a better position. Um, we like to size systems so that you're closer to 100%, 90% plus, um, and that really lends to splitting the load between multiple machines, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, there's a lot of different control types that are out there, uh, variable frequency drive or also called variable uh, speed drive, um, and so you have to look at, you know, does it have one compressor that's, that's meeting the load, and if that's the case with a, a VFD, um, typically, those are sized so that between 40 and 85 percent, they're most efficient. So that's another number you can look at. Um, and a lot of the machines that are out there can can show you these things, duty cycle or uh, percent capacity, um, and that's a, a great indicator. Um, there's also modulation and variable capacity control, um, and either of those can give you a percent capacity as well. Um, variable capacity is definitely more efficient. Uh, than modulation. Modulation is probably the least efficient that's out there. Um, but from a reliability standpoint, it could be maybe a little bit more reliable because you can run at partial load and still keep the compressor up to temperature and so on. Um, efficiency is really the next key point uh, that I'd like to highlight. And we, we talk about these as uh, a key performance index. So specific power is from, a, from an operational or efficiency standpoint is key. And you can look at that uh, for individual compressors. Um, you know, we have uh, Compressed Air and Gas Institute KGI data sheets for those. And that tells you what your efficiency is at full load. But again, like Matt said, 100% or off. Um, and there's, you don't necessarily know what it is in between. And so what we like to say is anything really above 25 kilowatt per 100 CFM, that's, that's where you start to lose your efficiency. Um, if you look at a KGI sheet for a brand new compressor, depending on what operating pressure you're at, you could be at 19 kilowatt per 100 CFM, 17, some of them out there, two stage, maybe 16. Um, you know, and, and if it's at, you know, 95 PSI, it might be even better. Um, so there are some significant efficiency gains there. So again, uh, specific power is a really good indicator. Um, and then, you know, really, what's your leak load? Um, and so, you know, a lot of cases, Matt alluded to studies that we might do, uh, air studies, uh, efficiency studies, and a lot of customers uh, are also looking at what they're doing 
um, on a daily, nightly, weekly basis uh, to see what that leak load might be. Um, you know, Department of Energy has come out with a study that we cite a lot um, that 45% to 60% of all compressed air produced um, is going to production, which means that that balance is wasted. So this will help you figure out uh, what that waste might be. Um, reliability is, is really another key point. Um, you know, what, what are your mean time between failures um, or your mean time between services? And what we find is that um, equipment that's oversized, they become less reliable and they may have more breakdowns, more downtime. Um, so if, if I was a plant manager, you know, first of all, if I had more breakdowns, I'd be trying to figure out what was happening. But that's a, that's a good indicator. So if you know, someone's listening to this podcast right now and they're like, yeah, you know what? I had a breakdown, you know, two weeks ago and I just had one today, you know, maybe that the cause is is oversizing. Um, another indicator I would say is uh, is a high scrap rate uh, at the point of use. If you have uh, inconsistent operating pressures, um, that is going to affect your point of use and and that can also increase your scrap rate. And that might be coming back to your compressor room. Um, and one other thing uh, that we talk about is energy and Matt alluded to it uh, again. You know, energy, when you look at that pie in your overall life cycle cost, it's 70%. So the more you oversize, the more you're paying for energy, regardless of how much air you're using. Um, and so that would be an indicator, you know, what is your energy cost today for your compressed air? And, and what is that, you know, over time or, or even going backwards in time and comparing that with what you're making? So we, we talk a lot about material costs. So you can see what your material costs are over the course of time. I covered a quite a quite a gambit there, so I think that covers it. Matt, you have anything to add? Yeah, I think you know what what we're seeing in the market, and this I think is pretty exciting. Is the key is is that folks are realizing in this new age of data and monitoring, they're they're investing in the monitoring devices like our signal manager, where they can consistently see, you know, what level of air they're using and how much it's costing them at any time. So, you know, production is always changing. So just because you're at 40% capacity now doesn't mean you'll be at 40% capacity next month. And, um, you know, there's certainly plants that are real um, steady and they have a fixed capacity and it's, you know, their throughput is real established. But more and more, particularly with, uh, you know, the swings that we're seeing in the economy, you know, there, there's a need to always know uh, and there's a significant benefit to always know, okay, how much air am I using to run the production lines that I need this week, this, you know, during this shift. And I think that's really the number one uh, key point is, uh, is that if you, if you're, if you're monitoring your, your air and you're realizing it's a significant investment, both creating and using this air to run your plant, why not monitor it to know what level it's at and how much you're spending on it. Okay. Well, Matt, I was thinking, you know, let's say you've got uh, uh, someone in a plant and they're noticing those indicators that Neil talked about, like high scrap rate. They're noticing the material costs are creeping upwards and they do run a, an air assessment and they find out that, yes, their system is oversized and not, they're not using it to full capacity. Um, what now? What, what at that point are some steps that they can take to remedy the situation? Uh, absolutely. So, so the things I'll, I'll start with the low cost to the higher cost. Uh, how about that? Mm -hmm. So, so first thing they can do is you can look at your controls. Um, Neil talked a good bit about controls. 
and and the trick is you 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 want to um, just optimize the amount of time the compressor is fully loaded, and then uh, and then have a nice amount of time when it's either idled or off. And so you can do that by increasing the pressure band. Um, that's that would be so so that would be the cut in cut out pressure, um, and you can do that really with with multiple different control uh, methods, and that will really kind of stabilize you know turn that compressor into more of a highway mode versus more of the city mode. Uh, and that's obviously low cost. Wouldn't have to spend anything. You may have to get an expert in there to help you do it, but a few hours of labor time and, and you'd have that taken care of. Um, the second one is storage. Storage is a great thing uh, for any compressed air system. Again, going to the car analogy, you're looking at the suspension uh, in that car. So you're, you're, uh, you're, you're just kind of balancing out those demands. Uh, Neil talked about inconsistent pressure, uh, increased storage is going to help you stabilize pressure. So storage is generally always a good thing and particularly good if you have really variable demands or a uh, very low demand for a period of time and your system is oversized. Also relatively low cost. And then the third one, a little bit higher cost. Um, a lot of times plants have different um, loads based on the shift. So you might have a very low third shift or weekend shift and shift one and two, you're at 70, 80% capacity, but then on the weekends you're at like 20% capacity. Um, and so in those cases you could, you could, you can, uh, if, you know, you conduct an air study and, and, and in those cases um, you, you could uh, get a smaller unit to run those, those off peak times. Um, and so those are really, I think the three most common and obviously you can also replace your compressor depending on how oversized it is, you could replace it, but that's kind of the last resort. Ideally, with some of these other solutions, you're able to uh, to get that corrected. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Matt. Um, you know, doing thousands of audits a year that we do, um, it's always fun because you know you, you talk to friends and family. Oh, well, what do you do? Well, I, I help save people money. Um, but it's not significant unless you're talking about a 24-hour, um, seven-day-a-week process with hundreds of horsepower, and and the justification, the ROI is just not there. And you have to find an, in, an easier way to, to put it, not just in plain English, but um, to show that ROI. In a lot of cases, that inconsistent pressure, uh, pressure that scrap rate, that's, that's the, heavy, um, the heavy addition uh, to make these changes. So, you know, for me, um, like Matt said, you know, looking at a smaller machine for the weekends, um, even maybe having a master controller at it, you know, these are not higher costs, um, you know, so if you start talking about 100 horsepower compressor, then you're starting talking, okay, this is a major investment, but the things that, that aren't a major investment, like um, maybe a, an off-peak unit or adding the storage or maybe augmenting piping in some places um, or the master controller, like Matt said, because, you know, when, when we're talking now, we're so connected. You know, I we might have two phones, uh, you know, uh, both Matt and I, and maybe you, Tom, as well. You know, so the data is there. If you can push that stuff to to your computer or your email or what have you, you can see it easily. And it's a way for us to to talk on the same level um, as as a supplier and a customer. And and that makes it easy to say, well, okay, what was your specific power yesterday? What what is it today? Um, so that master controller is really that that really a key product. Well, in the the Past three questions, we've talked a lot about the operational end of things, identifying when your system is oversized, sort of in real time. Maybe we could close today's podcast with a question about looking forward to the future. Um, Neil, when 
when our when you're planning a new plant or expanding an existing system, do you have any advice for our listeners on how to balance their plans for future growth uh, with buying too big of a system? How, how, how do they thread that needle? Yeah, it, it's never easy. Um, you know, usually there's so many different players in, in this discussion uh, from the project engineer to, you know, maybe even the CEO of the company or, you know, it also could be an engineering firm. Um, and, you know, usually when you start adding all these folks that you may even get more fudge factors in regard to how much air you expect. And so really the, the key point when you're starting from scratch, if it's a green field, is to design flexibility into your system. And what I mean by flexibility is, you know, sure, we, we could put in a, a 250 horsepower compressor for 1,000 CFM, but like Matt alluded to, I think, uh, in question one, what happens when that compressor is unavailable, whether it be service or, or maybe it's a reliability issue? Um, what happens then? So if we look at, you know, two... Um, 125 comp horsepower compressors, or maybe even three or four different compressors to split that load, especially when you're talking about green field and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, it's better to split that load and start smaller than, than go bigger, because then you end up with this, this oversizing system. You know, in, in talking with some colleagues, we usually find that um, a, a system that's designed uh, from scratch that we didn't have any measurement data to start with, a sister plan or, or something like that, um, you know, usually after five years, we find if we do an audit, then it's significantly oversized. And, you know, we have to, you know, change the, the entire pieces of equipment and there's significant savings and we have the ROI for it. Um, and that's not every case, but, you know, so, so my feeling is that baselining the system um, really from day one, um, designing flexibility, putting in that master controller, getting those KPIs, getting that feedback, um, is really key, you know, checking the duty cycle, checking the specific power, um, looking at the reliability, and then, you know, remotely monitoring those KPIs. Yeah, those are great points, Neil. I mean, it's definitely an engineering challenge when you're building something new and trying to design the compressed air load. There's no, <clears throat> there, you know, there's no model uh, like there is for designing HVAC systems uh, for how to know what size to uh, put the compressors in the plant. But the theme that you're gonna hear, I think in a lot of these uh, podcasts about the hidden cost of compressed air is that going with a flexible design where you have multiple units really reduces your cost from so many different aspects. And um, I, you know, again, going to the car analogy, you know, do you wanna buy that semi truck um, for what you've gotta ship uh, you know, day in, day out, or do you wanna buy a fleet of vehicles? You're going to have a lot more flexibility if you have a fleet of vehicles. And that, I think, is kind of the model you want to use uh, with designing, designing compressed air stations. And I, you know, obviously capital, you've got capital at one time when you're building a plant, you want to use it wisely. And I think that's one of the things we see. I mean, it's not uncommon to see a system that's 10 times oversized in a greenfield uh, situation. And, and that's a lot of capital you know, put in there and maybe one day they get to that point, but is that going to be two years down the road or 20 years down the road uh, in that particular plant? So designing flexibility in is the, is the real key to uh, eliminate those hidden costs. Well, thanks guys. I think that's a wrap for this episode of the hidden costs of compressed air. Um, <clears throat> for those who are listening, future episodes in this series will cover the cost of location and the cost of air quality with a fourth episode wrapping up 
on how to reveal and control costs with system monitoring. So thanks again to our sponsor, Kaiser Compressors. Uh, thanks, Neil and Matt, for being on the podcast today. And thank you all for listening. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Tom.